0: Welcome to the Rich Room Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Sobel. Where you can master the art of enriching your life. What kind of kindergarten shit is this? And finding a path to financial freedom. Who the fuck was supposed to teach me how to do my taxes? So sit back, relax, and step into the Rich Room. You know I can't help but this Cause they know they can never touch this So let me talk my shit Or I might just go another fit Welcome to the Rich Room Podcast, y'all. Christmas has finally passed, and now everyone has their sights on the new year. How was y'all's Christmas? Did Santa visit you? Did you get everything you wanted? Did you get anything at all? I woke up on Christmas morning with mixed feelings. On the one hand, I was relieved that I did not have to do any of the Christmas shenanigans. I didn't have to worry about cleaning up wrapping paper. I didn't have to worry about cooking. I didn't have to worry about the different personalities and dealing with other people's childhood trauma. But on the other hand, I felt a little forgotten. You know, when people aren't asking for your new address, you kind of anticipate and prepare that you won't be receiving any cards or gifts or flowers or anything like that. I guess I was feeling a little emo since this is the first year that I've spent Christmas alone. Like, ever. And definitely the first Christmas I've spent since separating and being out of a six year relationship. Also, I'm in a brand new city and I don't know anybody. So I was a little emo on Christmas morning. And being alone and also not receiving anything which is different from every other year of your life, can feel like a loss. And I don't mean receiving things like gifts or anything because it's, it's really about the thought. It's the thought for me. And I really like a card, like a really funny card. I do not care for a mushy card, but I appreciate it nonetheless. And beggars can't be choosers. You know, it kind of does feel like a loss. It feels a little bit like a loss. But as my wonderful therapist says, everything happens for you, not to you. And that's what I told myself. And that, that I have to find a meaning in this. And you know, I sent presents out. And let me tell you, the post office, although I am in Miami, is the exact same as the post office in Mississippi. And exact same as the post office in New Orleans. The people working there did not want to be there. And I couldn't blame them. I mean, it's the post office right before Christmas. People aren't really on their best behavior. So I walked into the post office, I was carrying all of these boxes of gifts, and I knew that I was going to be paying for a quicker shipping because I wanted them to arrive before Christmas. And I don't use the post office that often, but they got a nice overnight flat fee. And I also thought that I wouldn't need to physically write on the box the addresses and that the post office could just print a cute little label and I had all the addresses written on a sticky note on top of the boxes. So there was about a five-person line in the post office that day. And so I wait in line, hold in my boxes. It takes about like 15 or 20 minutes. And when I get up to the counter, the lady says, oh, no. You need to address those before you come up to the counter. You're going to have to address those first. And you're going to have to go over there and address them. So, she tells me to get out of line and go to the back of the store where the counter is and write the addresses on these stupid fucking boxes, even though she's going to input the address into the computer and print out a handy-dandy postal sticker, rendering me writing the address meaningless. But I have to follow their rules, right? She also told me that I did not have to wait in line again and then I could just come back up to the counter. Hmm, I didn't like that plan. I actually have to make a little addendum to my statement that this post office was the same as the other post offices that I've seen in my lifetime. This post office was different in the sense that Spanish and English are spoken in the exact same amount, if not Spanish being spoken more. So if I were to go with my post office employee's plan, I would have to write the addresses on my box, then return to the front of the line and explain to the people in the line that I was already in line and therefore need to cut them in line in order to go in front of them even though they've already waited in line. And there's a strong possibility that the people who are waiting in line didn't see my interaction with the post office employee where she told me that I could cut the line. So while I'm writing the addresses on the boxes at the post office, I decided that I would just get back in line because I wasn't going to try to start explaining the situation and then learning that I'm speaking to someone who doesn't understand what I'm saying. And I also didn't want to be in a fight in a post office. And in this day and age, you know someone's going to record it. And then it'll be put on the internet, and instead of me going viral for this hilarious podcast that someone on YouTube called dumb, I'm going to go viral for getting in a fight in a post office in Miami before Christmas. I can't take these kind of risks. Well, there was another post office employee that saw me waiting in line and called me out and was like, haven't you already been in the line? You can come to the front. And I was like, yes, thank you, sir. I understand, but it just felt easier to wait in the short line than to have to explain the situation. And then he looked at me like I had just said the most confusing thing in the world and his brow furrowed and he was like, what, what are you saying? And I almost started crying and I'm like, dude, you're embarrassing me. You're calling me out in front of all of the post office patrons. I think I blacked out after that because I don't even remember what happened. But I was able to get my presents out in time before Christmas, so yay for me. Thank God I've been in therapy. Otherwise, I would have been a mess on Christmas Day. I must say, I must have been very naughty this year because Santa did not come a-callin'. But I was prepared for Santa to skip my house this year. I will say that my little inner child was a little bit louder than normal on Christmas Day. but. Because I've had so much therapy in the past six months, I was able to reframe and find a meaning or learning a lesson and realizing that the situation is not happening to me, but it is happening for me. Um, I might need to double up on therapy. My therapist is probably listening to this like smoking a cigarette, being like, fuck, I'm just kidding. She doesn't smoke cigarettes. Well, not that I know of. But you know, she's probably like that picture of Ben Affleck after he's sitting outside like with an exasperated look and he's smoking a cigarette like, just take me now. That's probably my therapist right now. In better news, Uber Eats works on Christmas Day. And in Miami, there were many restaurants open on Christmas Day. So, I decided to pop my bottle of Tattinger, which in my opinion is a far superior champagne to Veuve. And is definitely my top preference in champagne. Ordered myself a lox bagel from a local restaurant that was open. Popped on a little vintage Jersey Housewives. Let, let me just say this. God bless Andy Cohen or whoever is running the shit at Bravo. Because Bravo decided to air old school New Jersey Christmas episodes and it could not have been a better Christmas morning. Honestly, I had Tattinger, Uber Eats on the way, and vintage New Jersey Housewife Christmas episodes. Because the way that I'm coping with the fact that Santa skipped my house is I'm just going to shower myself with more love and attention and pivot accordingly. I don't think I'm going to have any more children. I just could not see that happening for me, and I'm not taking it totally off the table because never say never, but at the same time, I would have like a 20-year age gap in my children, at least. And I gotta be dead honest, I just think I'm past the point of child care. It's like I had my daughter before everyone else had their children, but if I decided to have another child, then it would almost be like having children like on the later end of when my friends are having kids i don't know i just had this vision of me having kids and being with my friends and our kids growing up together but obviously that is not in the card so we gotta keep it moving gotta keep it cute we gotta keep swimming y'all but where are we swimming that's the big old question mark if i were to have another child i almost wonder if i would take like a completely different approach, but also the same approach, but a different approach. Like, should we just be super honest with kids from the jump? I mean, not like super honest, but maybe presenting life to kids kind of in a different way instead of like romanticizing like a fairy tale kind of life and a happily ever after because happily ever after doesn't exist. And like, I was raised on that shit. So, imagine my disappointment maybe we should just say to kids like hey honey I'm your mom I'm older than you and I've had you know a little more life experience than you so I know some things and I'm gonna help you get through life but honey I have no idea what I'm doing but I'm really good at figuring things out and so are you and we are going to get through this thing together And listen, I'm not gonna have all the answers, but I'll have some. And I promise that I'll always be there for you when you need me. But honey, I just want to make sure you know that this is your life. So you live it how you wanna live it. Be what you wanna be. The most important thing about life is that you're happy and you know, there's probably more to it, but I haven't figured everything else out yet. Uh, You know, that's what I told you. I don't know everything. I don't know shit about fuck. I am literally making this shit up as I go. And the one thing about life, honey, is that there are three aspects of a reality that we can never escape. First, it will be painful. Life will be painful. Second, there will be a lot of uncertainty. And third, there will always be a need for constant work. And honey, we cannot escape these three things in life. So, as much as I want to, I cannot take these three things off of you, nor could I take them off myself, but I will teach you how to handle them. I just feel like if we manage kids' expectations about life, then kids are going to grow up with a better sense of how life works. Like, this is gonna hurt, but I love you. And I was always aware that my daughter could, like, turn on me. Like, I always thought to myself, what if she rebels against me? Like, what if she just says no to me? Like, she's like, nah, I ain't doing that. Like, what would I do then? Uh, Like, what the fuck would I do? So maybe because I was aware of that, I approached a lot of situations with her a bit more intentionally, and it seems to have worked so far. So, I ended up having a very lovely 35th birthday. For the first time ever, I pre-planned and made sure that my birthday was going to be filled with the things that I like. And your girl loves the spa. I could live in a spa. The lighting is fantastic. There's always a wonderful aroma in the air. There's typically snacks. And the one staple that is at every single spa that I've ever been to that is worth a damn is cucumber-lemon-infused ice-cold water. That sweet citrusy nectar hits your lips and you know you are at a top-notch spa. I have never felt more bougie than I did when I went to the Four Seasons Spa in Miami Beach. The massage that I booked lasted about two hours, but I seriously could have laid on that table for another two hours. There were a lot of elements to my massage including certain healing crystals, an infrared mat, and broad stroke techniques to improve circulation. And my masseuse also addressed all of the areas that I listed on my intake form. But the most surprising areas of the massage that I always forget that I need a massage in these two areas is my hands and my feet. Because they don't cause me immediate pain and I don't complain about my hands and feet but I use them every single day. Like, I complain about my hip pain, and you know, my left hip still clicks a little, but I'm working that out in physical therapy. But even though my hands and my feet aren't a source of pain for me, every time I'm having a massage and the masseuse moves to my hands or my feet, I think to myself, I completely forgot how good a hand massage and or a foot massage fucking feels. It is absolutely divine. I also received probably the best facial I've ever had in my life. It was a facial that was aimed at reducing the appearance of aging and fine lines and whatnot. And the women who and the woman who gave me the facial is an anesthetician an aesthetician anesthetician. An I don't know how to say that word. It was a lady and she used this machine that like lifted up my entire face. Like a fucking facelift. And it moved my eyebrows up and all the muscles into my face to, like, counteract the weight of gravity on your skin. Holy shit. When I got done, I looked freaking 25 years old. And I I said that to the lady. I was like, honey, I look 25. She was like, you look 17. Bitch, I will take it. I will take that any day of the week after my spa day i decided i was going to treat myself to a glass or two of champagne at the champagne bar in the four seasons hotel so i go to the bar and i get myself a glass of champagne and the bar has two different kinds of champagnes by the glass so i decide i'll have one and then i'll try the other and then i'll get myself an uber home well this one woman ended up sitting a few seats down for me at the bar And she started talking to me and struck up a conversation. She was meeting her friends for dinner at the restaurant. And she was so lovely and so nice. And we just had a really great conversation. And when her friends arrived, they were also very kind. And they ended up inviting me to dinner with them when they heard that it was my birthday. Now, Lindsay from one year ago would have been thinking, Hmm. They're asking you to go to dinner, but they don't really want you to go to dinner. But they're just trying to be nice and ask if you want to go to a dinner. Essentially, I would overthink the fuck out of it. And I kind of almost did that. Almost. When they asked me if I wanted to have dinner with them, I was like, oh no, I couldn't impose. And then another woman was like, yes, it's your birthday. I feel like you should have dinner with us. And I kind of like went inside myself and I was like, you know... You've been asking for signs. You've been asking for the universe to bring you something. Why don't you just take them up on the invitation and just see what fucking happens? And that is what I did. I was like, you know what? If it's truly fine, I would love to have dinner with y'all. So we ended up having dinner. It was me and three other women and they were... Absolutely fucking lovely. And I had a really nice time. My therapist is probably listening to this and like, go Lindsay! Because that's actually a very big deal for me to just go to dinner with strangers. And it may never develop into any kind of a friendship, which is totally okay. But it was really nice to just sit around at a beautiful restaurant and have dinner with other people and just talk and laugh. It was very, very Nice. Oh, I also have to give my mom credit because she did send me a birthday card and some lovely presents, including my new favorite sweatshirt that says, name em, which was the catchphrase of 2023 despite only being introduced into 2023 like in the past month, but quality over quantity. I am making an unexpected return to New Orleans before 2023 concludes. I put off my continuing legal education credits for Louisiana. And I was planning to get them all in the month of December since I was sitting out of the holidays. And, you know, I would be able to get my credits comfortably from my computer in my home in Miami. Uh, I was able to get all of my Mississippi CLEs virtually, which were due in July. And Louisiana, Louisianas are due in December. And I haven't even seen when Texas CLEs are due. I'll figure that out. But Louisiana decided to change the rule where now you have to get the majority of your CLE credits in person. Meaning, I will not be able to get these credits virtually from my home in Miami. I will actually have to travel to Louisiana to get my CLE credits to keep my law license active. I see you, Louisiana. I see you trying to take steps backwards. That's okay. It won't last forever, but... I'll play your game now. That's okay. Oh my gosh, I sound like Scarface. That's okay. That's okay. Another great little chill of me in the morning. That's okay. Okay? So, I will be in New Orleans the last week of December. I gotta keep up with my law license in case this podcasting thing doesn't work out. And if I ever did go back to law in that capacity, I would definitely start my own thing and I would definitely do things much differently than I have seen them done. But I don't think I'm going to go backwards, if I'm being totally honest. Okay, not to be a buzzkill, but apparently documents and names of associates of Jeffrey Epstein are set to be released at the beginning of 2024. So, everyone knows who Jeffrey Epstein is, right? He was an incredibly wealthy, famous, well-connected guy who was charged with serious sex trafficking charges in 2019, and while he was awaiting trial, He committed suicide in his jail cell in New York. Well, one of the victims made allegations against Gaylene Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein about sex trafficking. And Gaylene Maxwell said publicly that this woman was a liar. Well, this woman, I think her name was Virginia Guffrey, brought a defamation suit against Gaylene Maxwell for calling her a liar. Well, I'm guessing in the midst of that Trial and that discovery, actually didn't go to trial, it settled. But I imagine in the midst of that discovery, a lot of people were implicated. And I'm going to say a lot of important people and major players were identified. And apparently there is a list or some documents that will reveal 170 people who, was, who were associated with Jeffrey Epstein. I mean, associated is a very vague word, so let's... I just wonder if there's going to be any actual like documents showing extent of people's association. You know what I'm saying? This, all of this information is coming from the Independent in the UK, so take it for what you will. One of the women who is set to be identified argued to the judge a few weeks ago that she lives in a culturally conservative country outside of the US and that the release of her name would lead to threats of her life. The judge asked the woman to provide an affidavit detailing how her life was at risk and to provide any hate mail that she had received. Well, apparently it was not persuasive because last week the judge issued a ruling providing that a list of all of Epstein's associates will be unsealed in full. The judge allowed for a two week delay before the release of the names for some of the victims to respond or possibly make an appeal to the ruling in the way that it would implicate them. So. When the names will be released, I think it is actually the beginning of 2024. And I gotta say, I'm curious to see who's on it. I have a feeling that this is a list that does not discriminate from party line. Uh, Let me revise that. There will not be someone on that list who is not filthy fucking rich. That's a... I could go on the record saying that. That is a fucking fact. (sighs) I have an issue to get off my chest. What are we doing in this world to where we need shoes that we don't have to bend over to put on? Like, that's the selling point? For those of you who don't know, I'm talking about the Skechers slip-ins, which can only be described as the decline of humanity. Is something going on where we as people can't bend over to put on our shoes? I got a New Year's resolution. How about we not need slip-on shoes? That should be a good barometer of your health. Do you need Skechers slip-on shoes? Do you know Lady Gaga said that the decline of humanity was wearing flats, but I'd like to go on record and say that the decline of humanity is related to Skechers slip-on shoes. Skechers even got Martha Stewart as a spokesperson saying, I just have to slip them on and it's like, and bitch like jumps in them on the commercial. Oh... <sighs> In addition to watching Vintage Jersey Housewives Christmas episodes, oh, and I also watched Bad Mom's Christmas, I also watched the new stand-up special by Trevor Noah on Netflix. I gotta tell y'all, it's one for the books. He discussed something that my law school professor discussed when I was studying abroad in Greece while in law school. I mean, it was a two-week program. It's not like I was gallivanting off to Greece for six months, but you know, I could do that now. The professor who taught this class was an absolute gem of a human being. And she has since passed away. Um, But she was such a fantastic teacher. And the class that I was taking while in Greece was called Reproductive Rights. And we studied the various laws related to in vitro fertilization, or IVF. We studied the reproductive laws from various countries and then compared them to the reproductive laws in the United States. Because other countries, I believe, have one set of laws per country. And the United States has 50 different sets of laws in our one country. Obviously, you can see how that can be a little problematic. And if I remember correctly, Germany had the most rigid IVF laws. My professor explained that Germany's laws are so restrictive in that sense because of the Holocaust. And in the Holocaust, there were like a lot of human experimentation and things done on the Jews. And Germany has a very shameful view of the Holocaust and talks about it a lot. It educates about it a lot, you know, so it doesn't happen again. My professor explained that Germany has a reluctance to sanction anything that could be controversial in the sense or even reminiscent of the Holocaust days. Compare that to America's attitudes towards slavery and the laws that have passed recently to not teach our children about slavery. Also, side note, the internet is there. And as long as the internet exists, your kids are going to be able to find out whatever the fuck they want to find out about. And I feel like making laws saying you're not supposed to do something just makes them want to do it more. So I kind of feel like y'all are screwing yourself over in this. But I digress. Trevor Noah addresses these differences in the most hilarious way. And he also talks about the top five things that white people enjoy. And I'm not going to give you any spoilers, but it was really, really funny. I was laughing out loud by myself, drinking Tattinger, eating a lox bagel on Christmas morning. So I had my first Florida dispensary experience, and I have to say it was quite exciting. I have been prescribed to medical cannabis since 2021, first in Louisiana and now in Florida. I have a little anxiety, a little PTSD in there, sprinkle in some newly discovered ADD, Oh, and I definitely have chronic pain, which prevents me from being able to sleep throughout the whole night. Like, my hip clicks. Like, it just randomly will click. And I don't like it. But I have found great relief with medical cannabis. And I went to the dispensary here in Miami, and it was just such a wonderful experience. Right when you open the door, you get hit in the face with the smell of weed. And the way I've been conditioned to think is that, you know... Weed is a drug and weed is bad, so I almost felt weird being in the store. But I am not exaggerating when I say that cannabis changed my life and I am now a major proponent of it. I also found that the prices at the dispensary were very reasonable comparatively to Louisiana and there were some holiday specials going on that I took advantage of. I will definitely be going back. It's weird to me that cannabis... Or weed is the illegal substance and that alcohol is what is legal. And really, cannabis is legal, at least medically, in at least 35 states. So definitely the majority of our country feels that cannabis has medical use. But for some baffling, unknown, arbitrary reason, marijuana is classified as a Schedule One drug. For those of you who don't know, the DEA Schedule's all drugs out there and there's five different schedules schedules 1 to 5 schedule 1 drugs have the highest risk for abuse with no recognized medical use in the United States while schedule 5 drugs have the lowest potential for abuse marijuana according to our fucking federal government is considered a drug that has the highest risk of abuse with no recognized medical use in the United States. Bitch, the United States disagrees. How can this be? How can this be that we are in 2023 and most of our states, the good majority of our states, have legalized medical cannabis use, but we don't change the federal law? It baffles me. It fucking baffles me. And the crazy thing about it now is we have a Democrat as a president, and we had Obama for two terms, and we still haven't changed the federal law. That is a fail. I saw an article the other day that Joe Biden pardoned thousands of people convicted of marijuana charges on federal land and in Washington. That's not impressive. That should have been done a long fucking time ago. Like, it's not enough at all. Like, not even close. There is a very good documentary on Netflix regarding cannabis and jazz and the introduction of cannabis into the United States. It's called Grass is Greener. Very clever. I highly recommend it. But it bothers me because I feel like the federal law on cannabis is only going to be used now as a political tool instead of doing what is right. Keeping that law in place just causes so much confusion for people and it actually is holding people back. Whatever. Snoop Dogg for president and Martha Stewart for vice president. Can Martha Stewart be a candidate for vice president if she has been convicted of a felony? I mean, to be quite honest, all candidates for president kind of give like felony energy so I feel like she should be able to run. I'm sure 2024 will give us a lot to discuss. And the most recent episode of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills gave us a lot to discuss. First, it has been painfully confirmed that Sutton does not know how to dress for a first date. Thank God her blind date set up by her matchmaker was kind of a total loss because he kept talking about his mom the entire time. Um, because Sutton would have fucked that up. She wore this, like, baby blue, cropped, motorcycle, leather-looking jacket with, I believe, seven-from-all-mankind, like, semi-flare jeans, and tennis shoes. Not sneakers, tennis shoes. Now, I'm sure they were designer tennis shoes, but as Carrie Washington's character from Save the Last Dance would say, it's country, and you look country in it. This outfit was just as bad, if not worse, than the baby blue kitty sweater that she wore with, I believe it was black leather shorts. In addition to a matchmaker, I think Sutton might need a stylist. Just for her dates. Otherwise, I think her style is cute. But for dates, I think she should just put off a kind of a different energy. I think baby blue should be retired. I think we should retire that color. Okay. Okay. So the moment between Garcelle and Dorit was very real and I'm really hoping that Dorit sort of does like a self check and does a little research and reflection and I hope there is a follow up conversation between them because I feel like people are afraid to talk about this kind of stuff and there really is an opportunity here for everyone to grow and for everyone to understand each other better. I know that these kinds of subjects are uncomfortable to talk about, but I feel like we have to get comfortable being uncomfortable in order to actually make some fucking progress. But if I was to read or if I was going to give a little advice to Dorit, I would quit making a reference to living in a bubble on social media because that's kind of the opposite of what we're trying to do here. We don't really want you to live in a bubble. We want you to be out here with the rest of the world. Southern Charm was a doozy. Taylor from Southern Charm has really dug herself into a bit of a hole. Not only did she fail to take accountability for hooking up with her best friend's ex-boyfriend, but she also made a comparison about Taylor's brother to Olivia's brother, and Olivia's brother recently just passed away, which I feel that kind of comparison or even bringing up her brother was in bad taste. Well. It got a little worse, this recent episode, because after the blow up between Olivia and Taylor goes south, pun intended, Taylor goes back to her room and calls her brother from the balcony. Well, Olivia's room is right next door to Taylor's room, meaning that Taylor's balcony is right next door to Olivia's balcony, and Olivia hears Taylor tell her brother that Olivia should not be mad at Taylor for hooking up with Austin because Olivia and Austin never actually dated. Yikes. You kind of can't come back from that. Taylor seems a little lost now. Like, we were rooting for you, Taylor. We were all rooting for you. Taylor's argument is like, I only lied to you one time. This is the only time I've ever betrayed you. So many people have betrayed me in my life and I have forgiven them. It's like her logic is that her ex-boyfriend Shep cheated on her so many times and that she has forgiven him time after time again. She's comparing that to betraying Olivia's trust one time by making out with Olivia's ex-man. Taylor cannot come to grasp with the fact that Olivia has not forgiven her for Taylor's betrayal when Taylor found it within herself to forgive Shep for his betrayal. But just because Taylor is willing to accept disrespect repeatedly and forgive it, She can't go and impute that same pattern to her relationship with Olivia. Real Housewives of Miami is also very good this season. Lisa is going through a very messy divorce as everyone knows. Her husband came home one day and said that he was dating someone else and he wanted a divorce. That was last season. Now she's going through it and she's contesting her prenup which is causing a whole shitstorm and she kind of seems to not be grasping the reality of the situation of the sense that she's going to have to live a completely different lifestyle. And the ladies go on a trip to Palm Beach, and they all discuss Lisa's reluctance to move on in her life and her insistence on being stuck in the divorce hamster wheel with her husband Lenny. They have a valid point, though. The ladies are sick of hearing about the Lenny situation. Kiki even went so far as to say that she would be a billionaire if she made a song about Lenny because Lisa would have played it so many times by now. But apart from that, I don't think they should be digging into her financials or asking her questions of that nature, quite frankly. It's none of their business. But I feel that Lisa handled it very well. I feel for her because she's going through such a very hard time right now and her ex is filing so many motions and it seems like he's doing it to make defending herself financially burdensome and I just feel really bad for her. I hope Lisa has a therapist like a really good fucking therapist. Obviously, I would never be able to morally participate in a legal team opposite Lisa. But can you imagine for a second being on Lenny's legal team? First of all, the alliteration, I can't. Lenny's legal team. Lisa's legal team. Okay, there's something there. And in order to adequately prepare for the case, you would need to watch Real Housewives of Miami. And there's a lot of seasons of Real Housewives of Miami. Can you imagine the lucky bastard that is billing review of Real Housewives of Miami to determine and establish Lisa's factual background or some shit? Like, there's some associate out there who is billing for that and getting paid to watch Real Housewives of Miami. I just fucking know it. You would not be a good lawyer for Lenny if you did not watch all of the Real Housewives seasons that Lisa was on. And I think she's in every single season. The old and the new. Because if there's something in there that you would want to use for your case, you'd want to know about it. Another crazy thing about being a lawyer when you have to bill is the language of the billing entry differs by the client and by the person you're working for. I have been screamed at by a partner before for using the term review in a billing entry and then told by another partner to mainly use the word review. And then your clients have third party billing systems that go through the bills you submit and then they tell you what you submitted is wrong or it took too long or it's not approved. And then you have to go and appeal that shit. So that doesn't sound real fun, does it? Some of you may be thinking, Lindsay, Why didn't your support staff help you with this? Well, most of the places I was at, the the support staff was extremely strained and spread very thin, and my attitude at the time was, if I can do it, I'm just going to do it myself, and it would get done quicker without having to coordinate with another person who was already under so much stress. On the first day of my big law job, oh my God, on the first day of my big law job, the partner said to me, you're fired. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> On the first day of my big law, like downtown firm job, I was assigned an assistant. And apparently that assistant was not informed that I was one assigned to her, two starting that day, or three even working at the firm at all and she went and complained about me being added to her list of attorneys that she did work for. Luckily, the previous firm I was at, I basically did everything, so I didn't need an assistant to do anything for me. Also, on the first day at that firm, I had a female attorney come in and say, welcome to the firm, and then she was telling me about the paralegal who I was assigned to and said, yeah, she doesn't like working with female attorneys. I was like, okay, cool. So for like the first month or so, I did everything myself. And like I kept my head down real low. I didn't ask for any help. I'm like, let me settle in a bit and give these hoes some time to love me. One of them quit shortly after I started. I'm sure it had nothing to do with me. And the other one and I became very good friends. The one who was told, the one who I was told does not like to work with female attorneys, turns out she actually loved this female attorney. I feel like that is such an archaic narrative to say that women hate women. Women have truly been the saving grace in my life. There's a quote in one of Beyonce's films that said, men taught me some things, but women taught me a lot more. And I definitely relate to that. Back to Miami Housewives, I was also very impressed with Nicole's growth with her dad. They had a very rocky relationship in the past and I think it was last season that they went to therapy together and had basically a major breakthrough. And ever since then, they started reconnecting and being involved in each other's lives. And on this most recent episode, Nicole was supposed to meet her dad's new girlfriend who I understand is much younger. Well, the girlfriend didn't show up, so Nicole and her dad had lunch. It was a little bit into the lunch, and Nicole's dad said that he wanted to have more kids. In fact, he wanted to have two more kids. And Nicole did not have a negative or an emotional reaction to this news. In fact, Nicole, who is also trying to have another child, even said that their kids could grow up together and be friends. I think this was very mature of Nicole. Like, she deserves a big round of applause for that. And then Nicole casually asks her dad and Jess like, oh, how many kids do you have now? And I can't remember the amount of kids he said, but there were two children that Nicole did not know about. And even with that bomb being dropped, she did not have an emotional reaction and did not respond negatively to that news. Therapy works, y'all. Therapy fucking works. And I was so glad to see Nicole and her dad get to a good place because her father recently passed away. And it's just so wonderful to know that Nicole and her father, after being estranged for so many fucking years, actually came together before he passed. Santa might have skipped my house, but Netflix has definitely given me a real present. Because Dave Chappelle is coming out with a new special titled, The Dreamer. I am very excited. People get real angry when Dave Chappelle, you know, really gets in there with his comedy. But I feel like his comedy is so funny and clever that it transcends being offensive. I think we need to laugh more and I love that Dave Chappelle always makes me laugh. Even though I haven't listened to Jeff Lewis's show in months, I do did start watching season two of his show Hollywood Houselift. Because something I didn't realize about the holidays is that no new shows come on. So even though I'm home by myself, my new shows that come on throughout the week didn't come on. So I kind of had to break the glass in case of emergency and start watching some of, you know, my classics. Like Jeff Lewis. I think there are four episodes in season two I really do like Jeff Lewis. He's so funny, and he has impeccable design taste. I do have a note for him, though, or maybe it's more of a question. Does he use the same spray tan person as Lisa Barlow? Because he's kind of giving me tan mom in some of his promos. So his show is called Hollywood Houselift, and it's on Amazon Prime. And the commercials... During his show are commercials of products that he is selling, and he's the one in the commercial promoting it. And in the commercials, he is very, very tan. I think it would just do him well to dial it back a hair. Just a thought. I've been thinking about my 2024 resolutions, and I'm definitely going to come up with specific goals and a timeline for those goals, but... There's one thing I want to do from a general sense, and it's my rich bitch tip of the week. I have always been an avoider, and I kind of just thought that I was a procrastinator. But once I started going to therapy in March 2020, and Lord knows I needed it, I discovered that my procrastination was more of a psychological thing than I thought, and in fact, It was a mechanism for me to cope with anxiety. I would avoid doing the thing I was anxious about, wait until the last minute when there was a real sense of urgency for me to perform, and I almost feel like I performed better under pressure. Like, when I am put under pressure, I rise to the occasion, but... This pattern and cycle of avoiding and stressing and performing under pressure and then avoiding all over again, completing that cycle over and over, produces a lot of anxiety and stress. And I finally started deprogramming myself from that cycle and reprogramming myself into approaching all problems head on. Essentially, Moving towards my pain, moving towards what scares me, moving towards what I don't want to do. I saw this story about how bison, when faced with a snowstorm, will turn directly into the snowstorm rather than drifting away with the wind because they instinctively know that walking into the storm will get them out of bad weather quicker. So, that's my rich bitch tip for you. Be A bison okay you don't have to be a bison but face any problems in 2024 head fucking on the harsh reality is that there will always be problems you will not experience a time in your life where you do not have problems and I think when we chase that idea in our head when we put a goal in our head and and we tell ourselves once we reach that goal we're not gonna have any more problems is entirely unrealistic. And even though we will always have problems, we will always be capable of handling them. The reality is you're way more capable than you think, and the problems usually aren't as bad as you're making them out to be in your head. Um, can we do away with fireworks on the holidays? On both Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, fireworks were going nonstop, And I don't recall people doing fireworks when I was growing up on Christmas. I remember fireworks being done on New Year's Eve and on the 4th of July, and I feel like the firework rule has been expanded, and I don't like it. Who do I have to complain to with the neighborhood community board people to get the fireworks to stop? But I'm sure it's kids are having fun watching the fireworks, but fireworks are scary and it sounds like a gunshot a lot of the time, and it's really bad for anxious pets. Question, when did the midlife crisis start? Because people only used to live till they were like 40. So were 20-year-olds like freaking out? Like, what am I going to do with my life? I watched a documentary about Cleopatra on Netflix. Cleopatra was a badass. But she died at the age of 39, and I highly doubt at the age of 20 she was like, you know, maybe I should do something else with my life. Maybe I should go fuck around and see what the world is about. But they didn't even know what the world was about at that time because that was in, wait, when did she die? Hold please. Cleopatra died in 30 BC. I'm going to admit something that I'm not very proud of. I thought Cleopatra was entirely fictional. I didn't even realize Cleopatra was a real person, and that's on me. But now that I know, she's a fucking badass. Back then, the world in everyone's mind was so small. I think that's the problem today, like the reason that people have so much stress and anxiety. I feel like we have too much information. Like we are consuming too much information and at a pace that feels like we can't really keep up with it. I read an article the other day that said that the average person today consumes 74 gigabytes of information Uh, and that 74 gigabytes of information is the amount of information that a highly educated person would consume in their lifetime 500 years ago. And I'm going to go out on a limb and even say in recent years that the information consumption has significantly spiked. And I think it has something to do with our cell phones. I saw that Kendrick Lamar is developing a distraction-free cell phone. So I think it's just going to be like a regular phone, but I'm sure it'll have some other features. But I might look into it because it could be a good thing to just have a cell phone for calls and texts. And then maybe have like an iPad that you would use the internet stuff for. But when you're out and about, you only really need people to contact you and you really don't need the internet. Well, that could be a case-by-case situation, but I would like the option to have a distraction-free phone. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that we're consuming a lot of information, but I think we have to recognize that there can be some negative effects and that we likely need a counterbalance to all of that information consumption. But, That's a conversation for another day. Thank you, everybody, for listening to episode 17 of The Rich Room. Text me at 504-224-9919 with your New Year's resolution. I'm going to do a little contest. The first person who texts me with their New Year's resolution, I'm going to send a gift to, but family members are excluded from the contest, Mom. Follow me at Lindsay underscore Sobel and also follow at the Rich Room Podcast. Leave us five stars. Enjoy the rest of 2023 and I will see you rich bitches in 2024.